You're listening to Halloween, the definitive companion with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're hunting down Uncle Michael using Jamie's psychic abilities. Okay, Daniel, what is the premise of Halloween 5, The Revenge of Michael Myers? After spending a year rooming with a hermit, Michael once again pursues his niece on Halloween. Why is this film, man? <laughs> yeah. Because the film was only made a year later, right, than the other yeah. one. I think it was... Why is it such a different film? Well, made for by a very different director, uh, Mr. Dominique. I love him. Yeah, he's um, quite an eccentric dude. Othan and Gerard. Um, mm. I think they're on a breakneck schedule of... Writing six weeks, shooting six weeks, posting six weeks. Yeah. They made it for the very next year. It's not even called The Revenge of Michael Myers. The subtitle's not even in the opening credits. No. It just says Halloween 5. Well, that's a really interesting thing. Like, we talked so much about, in Halloween 4, about how much we absolutely adored the intro. And we're like, this is a really, really classy intro. Not doing that for this, is they? Not doing that for this. Is, this feels like it's a leap forward, like, 10 years in sort of trashiness. Well, what so, it is, oh, the, there is a pumpkin once again in the opening credits. Yeah. But it's the reveal because something is being violently stabbed. That's right. And, oh, it's not a person. No. Nobody carves a pumpkin like that. But Because it's all jump scares. I generally jump the first time because I'm a jumpy person anyway. But the first jump, the first stab or whatever, that was a jump scare for me. I was like, oh. uh, well, I was quite effective. Then. I mean, it did it. But then when you've got to watch another 20 of them, uh, not quite as good. It's just strange, isn't it? Just, I, I think this film is fascinating because while I don't think it's uh, a particularly good film, while I don't think I had a lot of time, a lot of fun watching it, I found the whole thing just utterly fascinating. Like the choices that are being made before your very eyes. And you've got to think to yourself, like, adults made this. Like at no point does someone go, what are we, what are we fucking doing here, lads? I think let's get specifics and how does it connect? Both story-wise, but then exactly what you were saying tonally. Mm. So at the beginning of this film takes place immediately after four. Yeah. So we find out that Michael at the bottom of the well, well after cr- being yeah. facing an entire shooting squad and having a stick of dynamite thrown at him, yeah. is actually alive. But is kind of hurt. Yeah. Because he crawls away from it and sails down the river yeah. like Dr. Richard Kimball. <laughs> he's like the fugitive in it. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. He's like the fugitive. Because he kind of goes down the river. Mm. He wanders into a cabin of this hermit. Mm. It's a weird thing to introduce right at the beginning of the film. It is, yeah, yeah. I'm sure we'll talk about a lot about that. He passes out, and presumably this guy nurses him in a coma for an entire year. Keeps his mask on a little hook for him. Then, <laughs> Halloween the next year, he just wakes back up yeah. and kills him. I know, that's really sad that he kills him. I would have actually preferred it if he didn't, like just some random thing after, going on. Killing the man who's been looking after you for an entire year, mm. who that guy was originally going to be called Dr. Death. And right. it's going to be a voodoo witch doctor right. that resurrects Michael a year later using uh, a blood ritual. I don't I'm know which is better. That. Well, yeah, just sleeping for a bit. I genuinely enjoy that shot of him crawling out into the water because I I, it could it. because it's so ridiculous. And I almost like there's a part of me that if this was all organized a little bit better, right? There's a part of me that genuinely enjoys 
seeing how a writer and a, and a director for the next film go, right, how are we bringing him back to life? Because in Friday the 13th, there's a lot of really funny, you can tell they're having a lot of fun with it. Whereas this, it's because I know a little bit about, you know, the story behind making the film and things like that. Like, because I know a little bit of the history of it, I know it wasn't thought or pl- it, like, they, they're like, oh shit, how are we getting out? They're not having fun with it, I don't think. Mm. They just go in, oh, this happened. Don't it crawls question away. It. Please don't question it, yeah. Oh, there's a lot to question in this film. The other thing that connects, that they kind of event, this is what you're saying, they just retcon and ignore, mm. is Halloween 4, we really like the ending, sets up potentially Jamie yeah. as this new killer, yeah. as Michael's consciousness, as pure evil transferred to his niece. Mm. This one, now nah, she's nah, fine. Nah, she's absolutely fine. And also her mum, the woman who's been looking after her, yeah. she's not even dead. No. So that kill, she didn't actually kill her. Yeah. So it kind of softens the shock of four and completely undercuts it. Because I did read that that, that was going to be the plan. And the plan was then you have Jamie as this new evil, but then people are gone, no, you can't do that. We want to bring Michael one, back. Yeah. It was one of the many ideas, but there was also explore the idea of them killing together. Yeah. Or them being in opposition. <laughs> there was all these kind of ideas banded about, but... I guess they had to get moving and make the next one pretty quickly if yeah. you're going to make the following release date. It just feels, we like on the last episode, we talked about how shocking we found that ending. Yeah. This completely undermines it. It does, yeah. I'm glad I didn't watch them together. I'm glad I watched number four so I could enjoy number four on its own. For a little bit. For a little bit. Could have enjoyed it for an entire year in 1988. Yeah. But, but, but then what's weird is now... Jamie has some kind of powers. Mm. So he can kind of inhabit the consciousness of Michael when he's killing. Mm. So that's all very unclear. So, but then tonally, it's weird. Like, I think this is the most 80s of them. Even though this is a year later, this feels super 80s to me. Yeah. Especially I, with the teenagers. I think this is, for me, I could see how Halloween 4 was still trying to be the original Halloween, I think. And I, I think tonally and the speed of it, I think it was still trying to be Halloween. Whereas this, they've just gone, no, it's a different thing now. It's a completely different thing now, which is which is fine. But I just think they're kind of doing the silliness of a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street. But they're also trying to keep the sort of strangeness of Michael going. And I don't th- I think those I, are two opposing things. I think there's a profound identity crisis in this film. Yeah. Because they want him stalking in a distance, mm. like the Carpenter original. Yeah. They think, oh, it's quite Hitchcockian. At the same time, you've got he's got him killing horny teenagers in a barn. He's driving a which car. is which is straight up Friday the thirteenth. Yeah. But at the same time, you've got a young girl in a hospital bed mm. who can inhabit the killer's nightmares and dreams and consciousness like yeah. Nightmare on Elm Street. What are you? Yeah. Like you kind of slip in between all of these different series. Yeah. It's a strange film. Man. He does spend a lot of time in the car as well. That fucking car. He does drive man. in the original. Yeah. But yeah, he, yeah, he yeah. does He does spend a lot of time in the car. I I think... He does drive in the original. I do like bits and bobs of him driving, because, but you don't see him behind the wheel because if you see a man with that mask behind the wheel of a car, it is going to look ridiculous. And in this, just to see him with his hands at 10 and 2, fuck off. He's safe driver. <laughs> it's... it's it's like that shot when she uh, when she looks over and he's just sitting behind the uh, wheel of the car while she goes into the shop. I was fucking howling. It's so funny. All right. It, and it's just like, I I just couldn't get over it. I just couldn't get over it. Uh, he shouldn't be doing normal things like that. Like, and, or you know. I'm happy for him to do 
We just don't see them. Yeah, he turns up at the place. He has the mask. He has the stuff. He's there. He's a presence. Mm. Also, again, who taught him how to drive? When did he learn how to drive? We talked about this in another first episode. Uh, when did he learn that? Teach from young in America. Five. <laughs> <laughs> at no point when he's in that hospital when he's a kid do they go, well, we, you know, he's four, I think it's 14 in there as in America. They start learning how to drive. So it's like, is he... Is he doing that as part of his rehabilitation? Lumis might have taken him out for his oh first lesson. Oh my God, lesson. can you imagine? Because <laughs> you are pure evil, but you still need to get about. Loomis filling in his provisional thing for him. <laughs> Getting one of those like, L plates. Michael's got L plates. Well, he's good at concentrating. Yeah, that's true. Actually. He's got a good focus. Yeah, that's why he's still a 10 and 2. Because he's just like, so no, wait, this is the only way I know this is, how. This is how this you is drive. perfect driving. I'm a perfect driving machine. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, like in the way it connects, it actually connects <laughs> because Jamie is actually connected to, uh, to Michael. That thing that they hook her up to in the hospital, uh, whatever it is. It's what quite, is, what quite, is that doing? It, well, I I'm, imagine, I'm inferring it, monitoring electrical brain activity. Great. It's the size of a house. Great. Also, <laughs> wouldn't that just be off in another room? Not right next to her bed. It's really loud. Mm. Great. <laughs> it's uh, it's not for me. It's all right. It's all right. Oh, oh Jamie. Jamie, Jamie, it's just another one of your nightmares, that's all. Oh. Let's rank the mask then. Yeah, there's no reason for it to look this different. No. Because it should technically be the mask from four. It looks ridiculous in that water when the, the water doesn't sit well on it. But he also, when he is fl just floating down the water, is one of the most ridiculous scenes, like the actual pictures i've seen in a halloween film i think well yeah uh, yeah i think that's to do with we shouldn't be seeing michael in these kind of ways mm. and this taps more into the performance of michael Absolutely, yeah, is yeah. in the original he's there he's a presence he's not moving i had an issue with the last film where you see him shuffling into position this one's even worse because you see him yeah. just ambling about yeah and the mass doesn't help us at all because it's too big yeah it's the neck on it is absurd it's like flayed it looks like flared trousers that's the thing that i don't get because in all the in well particularly in the first one which obviously we love it's tucked nicely or it's small enough that it fits over his collar you keep seeing it like all as you say it's like almost like flared out why have they made that decision it just doesn't make sense it, that looks, it looks massive different. it just doesn't make sense that it looks that different because no. it's been hung up on the wall for yeah. a year in this shack it should be exactly the same Unless if a little he, weathered. He's lost a bit of weight, maybe, on his face. Because he's been asleep and not yeah. eating for a year. Or the hermit's modded it. Why is the hermit fucking about with a mask? I'd wake uh, up and be like, hey, what are you doing? I don't like it. While it has more kind of detail than four, because we mm. talked before about being it, very it being very blank. Yeah. This, I don't like the shape of the eyes. Mm. It just looks like a mess. There's a couple of scenes. I think it's meant to look a bit more human. I think it is, yeah. It looks a bit more skin-like. There, there are a couple of scenes where I was like, Okay, I'm kind of into this look, particularly in the. I don't think it looks as bad when it's in when Loomis is when they're back in the house in Haddonfield because there's some good lighting going on there, yeah. and I think it doesn't look as bad. And there's a couple of shots where I think it generally did look good, but I, I think the rest of it, it just, 
it never looks scary. It never looks imposing. It never has any of the sort of blank features, but also terrifying features of the first. And I think they're just getting away from what it is. Better or worse, do you think, than four? Oh, than, the, than four. Yeah. Oh. I think it's worse for four than me. <sighs> oh, no. I, pref- I hated four. But I don't, yeah, to be fair, as much as I hated four's sort of gormless look, I hate just seeing it untucked from his collar. It's, so I it, think maybe it is worse than four. It just looks like a mess in this one, I think. It looks yeah. like it's been run over by a car. It's not good, man. It's not good. So what are we? So what are we saying then? What's our ranking? One, two, four, five. Yeah, and then pumpkin in there. And pumpkin in the middle. Is it? Are we ever gonna get to a point where we think? No, I think we we are. We will eventually. I think. How do they keep fucking it up every single? How do they make it? But fucking up in a different way. This is a year later. You could have had the same mask. That's hanging around. Somebody's got that. That's all. I will say though, not Michael's only mask in this film. Hmm. When he's impersonating Mikey and picks yes. up Tina for the party, yeah. he wears another mask. Yeah. And she comes onto him while he's wearing the mask. Oh, she's like kissing weird, the mask. Yeah, yeah. Him, again, tends to. You're wearing my present. I want you to know, I just love barbaric men. You get a real close-up, and it's something very funny about that scene. Yeah. Because the mask is so... It looks like a spitting image puppet. It does look... Yeah, it's or like, like Killer Clowns from Space, it reminds me yeah, of a little so bit as like well. It's almost Michael's gurning. He's like, Whoa. Yeah. Bad decision, man. But it's also really strange because then... That's a better mask. <laughs> that is a better mask. It's also really strange that he makes a quick... Because as he got that over his Myers mask Well, this is what? the thing. Because there's a one point that she looks back... And or there's a shot that looks back. If she, it might not actually be her. And he's back in the Michael Myers mask. So, yeah. well, it almost goes back to what we said last episode. Where why didn't he just pick a different mask every time he came back? Because yeah. he just goes and raids a Halloween store, takes the nearest mask. Mm. Whereas in four, he takes the one that's most like the one he did use ten years ago. Yeah, I think it's quite telling in a way that the mask is so shit that they keep doing that sort of sort of red herring Michael where they they oh, show yeah. you one with spits wearing it and then it's not I think it's quite telling that those masks are so shit that it looks like it could be that one well, I mean? guess in the relative of the film it's like there should be ten a penny yeah kind of what the ghost face mask is in Scream yeah that's where true, they say actually, this yeah. is available every five and dime in yeah. the state we'll never track down who this is mm. this one is bad this mask this is a bad mask but I think Michael makes it worse with his performance well I I think it's not even necessarily just performances. Like the fact that they're just asking him to do other things, and I just think you need to make a conscious decision. We're never going to see him swimming. We're never going to see him driving Bobbing. a car. We're never, you know, we're always going to see him because once you start doing that, he loses that imposing character. It's, it's, it's just too much movement yeah. in general. I'm not I'm not too worried about him being in a car because he could just drive past. That's mm. fine. So again, that's just something. He's a presence. The thing I had a real issue in the last film is him getting into position. Yeah. Showing me how the trick is done. Mm. And in this one, when he's just stalking Rachel, but in her own house. Yeah. And it's almost like playing hide and seek. Mm. And there's a bit in particular when Samantha and Tina and Mikey pulls up to collect them and they're walking and talking about boys. Yeah. And it almost didn't register for me that it was a moment when he's ambling under the tree in the background. Mm. Because I was watching it and I went, is, that meant to, is this meant to be like a Laurie Hedge moment where yeah. I've spotted something? Yeah. And I had to rewind it and he's just there. He's just hiding under a tree. Yeah. And there's something kind of a bit pathetic about it rather than 
it being freaky. Yeah, I know what you mean. I think this is the worst performance because I, I just think no thought has been put into quite a lot of it. And I think this is no more obvious for me than, you know, when they're back in the house in Haddonfield and Loomis is talking to him, he is standing there holding the knife oh. up and it doesn't make any sense why he would be it standing like that. And it just looks, it looks like the sort of waiting screen of a video game. Yeah. where you're just like a character select screen of a video game because yeah. he's just stuck in position with his knife sort of raised. To kill or not to kill. And it, it this really strange moment for me was it's like, they obviously have struggled in that scene because I'm, I'm sure that actor has gone, what am I meant to be doing here? Shall I be standing? Shall I be holding my knife? How shall I be holding my knife? Like, just hold it up. Just hold it up. And he was like, but you wouldn't do that? I don't know. Oh, fuck it is. It, well, that's got Don Shanks is Michael in this film. Yes. This is, again, what you're saying about him doing too much stuff. So we've seen him move. But also in this film, you're asking Michael to give an emotional performance. Yeah. And we'll get on to probably the content of what he's trying to do and why yeah. that happens. But you're almost getting, you want emotional reactions from him. And it's also the film where he's got, he's got the mask off a few times as well. Yeah. This, which is another rule break for me, really. Yeah, because it, uh, the bit with Jamie in when he puts her in the coffin, or yeah. she gets into the coffin when he's standing, is like, but also his face. We've seen his face before, and he looks really, really old. I slowed it down and had a little. Like, he looks like he looks like a handsome dude. I'm gonna get onto this. Isn't it? Um, <laughs> that's, that's going into another okay, element for me. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's not a great performance from Mikey, unfortunately. Is a it's wooden and graceless. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, Don. I know why you've come back, Michael. Because the little girl, the little girl can stop the rage inside. Let's move on to stupidest decision then. I mean, I've got to chuck one out straight away. Loomis, at the end of four, says, Michael Myers is finally in hell. Michael Myers is in hell. Buried. Where he belongs. Right. Mm. You going to check that, Loom? You going to have a look? going to have a little look down there? No? Uh, I feel like you'd be, be able to see blood and guts and You'd have bits of Michael everywhere if you blew him up. No, none of that. Talking about how this undermines the previous film, I think also in this film he says, I prayed that he would burn in hell, but in my heart, I knew that hell would not have him. You didn't. That's not what you said. You said, Michael Myers is in hell. Buried where he belongs. Because that, that's the thing that I really don't understand is like he very quickly it, it forgets about all that. And he's like, no, he's back. He's definitely back, 100% back. Well, hey, why did you seem so sure that he was 100% dead trying to put us at ease before? This was like, it's not like this hasn't happened twice before. Yeah. I, 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 You're I, an explosion I with him once and he didn't die. Yeah, I can't get my head around her. I can't get my head around her at all. So that's um, your stupid decision, not checking on Mike. I've got, I've got a couple, but go on. What's yours? Uh, making this within a year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just because I wrote some of these down, I think it's resulted in so many yeah. errors mm. because they've rushed it. So Jamie is repeatedly referred to as Rachel's stepsister. Yeah. Not stepsister. No. You should check what that word means. Yeah. She's just not. It's, and then they stop calling her that yeah. midway through the film. Yeah. Loomis is still burnt, but Michael isn't at all. No. And we saw him four. He was burned. He's we saw his hand up. and his, his hands face were fucked up. His yeah. face was bandaged from an explosion yeah. and a fire. He's completely unmarked. So is that meant? Handsome. Is that meant to be a plot point? Yeah. Is he regenerated? 
Is True. you know, are we meant to think that? Because yeah, yeah. Loomis still has his scar makeup on. Yeah. What are Jamie's psychic abilities? Because mm, she seems like every time that Michael's killing, yeah, she can see through his eyes. This allows them to find Tina and yeah. save her. But Jamie doesn't know that Rachel died. Yeah. So when she goes to the attic and sees Rachel's corpse, she's shocked by she's, it. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that doesn't yeah. make sense. No. Because also that was her sister and she loved her to bits, even though yeah. Rachel didn't recognize her as a sister. Do you love me, Rachel? <sighs> Serious questions tonight. Of course I love you. Like a sister? Jamie, sometimes Like a real sister? We're not really sisters, Jamie. But that doesn't mean that I love you any less. You think she'd be a bit upset that she died earlier? Yeah. That's a weird one for me. Also, when Michael's arrested, they just let him keep his mask on. Yeah, that's so weird, that <laughs> is. Take it off him. He's just in Take the his... cell with it on, yeah. Another police thing I had for, I know that Spitz has just scared them uh, into thinking that he was Michael or whatever. But they just keep, then they go... When they see him again, they go, oh, that's probably Spitz. Then he comes over. Why you, you, you were out here to find him. You can't just keep going, oh, that's just Spitz. That's just a guy A guy pretending. Let's just check. Also, have a word with him. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I could just go back to what I was saying, like with the errors. Mm. I'm actually, I usually hate people who are really like nitpicky and stuff because with all films, there's a suspension of disbelief. I don't yeah. need everything to match up. No. But I think with all of them, there's too many. It actually shows a lack of respect to what I'm watching. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why I have an issue with it, is if you're gonna make it, yeah. at least respect what's come before. Mm. Yeah, no, I can see that. I, I think this is why I'm fascinated by this because yeah. there is only a year between them. Four and five should be the most cohesive because of when they were made. And because they are connected with the same with similar the same characters in them, but for, they feel like they were made like decades apart, which is interesting because there's stuff in this film mm. that more tightly sets up six. Yeah, but six was made six years later. Yeah, so you've put elements in here again. I think it goes back to that thing where you don't really know. You just kind of put a lot of stuff in play. Yeah, and then if the next person wants to take it on, knock yourself out. True. Yeah. yeah if yeah. not, we can just. <laughs> Go back on it. And okay, a stupid decision within the film then. Presumably, they've got this dog, right? Because they are afraid that he's coming back, right? Yep. Why ignore the dog when the dog's going fucking ballistic? Absolutely ape shit. And she's like, it's probably fine. Don't worry. Shut up, Max. Why have you got the dog then? Why did you get the dog? Because <laughs> she's like, oh, he's been barking at a cat. Have you seen a cat? No, I haven't. So I also think I'll raise you another stupid decision on that. Don't get a dog when we know he likes to eat dogs. Yeah, he fucking loves eating dogs. That is one for me. I just couldn't get my head around because he's like, dog starts going insane. <laughs> and she's like, it's probably fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, I, I can't get my head around that. Why did, you, why did you get it? Presumably you've got this to protect you just in case Michael comes back. It's a big dober. And he comes back and you're just like, nah, fuck it, don't worry about it. Also, as soon as that dog runs back and she's outside in a dressing gown she's borrowed from her neighbor, mm. she kind of dismisses the whole thing. I love it. I, lo I absolutely love it. Uh <laughs> I love when she goes out just a towel to her neighbor gardening. Mm. He's just nonplussed by the whole you're thing. All right? How's it going? Yeah, you're right. Dog's going mental. Yeah, don't worry about Again, that. I bet he's, he's having it all the time. <laughs> yeah. I mean, my, one of my stupid decisions, I think, just uh, the makers of the film just have a uh, character in it. You just never explain. Don't worry about it. 
Who's the man in black? Doesn't matter. Fuck it. I don't care. For me, it's like, oh, this is really mysterious. When you're watching it, you're like, oh, this is really mysterious. And then there'll be a showdown where I find out who... The- no, you don't. You don't it's find not, out anything. It's set up. Again, you would have mm. had to wait six years. Six years. If you cared, you would have had to wait six years to find out who that man in black was. I almost think there's just not enough spent on it to even establish it as a thing in it the re- film. Honestly, it's not. Yeah. It's almost a bit confusing. It you really go, is. Oh, is yeah. this Michael? No. What? Yeah. Because it's the same actor who plays Michael it as is, well. Yeah, yeah. So when he gets off the bus in the duster and the cowboy boots, mm. you go, well, what, I, what's this from? Yeah. It's very disorientating, isn't it? Also completely unnecessary as well. Because it's like this really strange thing where, because they set up the mark that's on uh, Michael's hand as yeah. the same mark that's on the man in black's uh, wrist as well. That's a big dice throw, isn't it? Six, six years, you'd have to find out what that was. But imagine at the end of that film, if you didn't know another one was coming, you just, you watch that film for what it is, which you should. I think every film should stand up as his own film, regardless of what's coming next or what's come before it with these films. There's a better way of doing this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You can do it. And you, th- that should stand up itself. But then you just go, what was that? What, what was going on there? And, he's, and then he becomes a really big part of it at the end where he releases him from prison. Mad. Absolutely mad. I think that's, but I think stupid decision for me has got to be racially ignoring the dog. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go with that. Because you've got that dog with that one purpose of saving you just in case Michael comes back. He comes back and you fucking ignore it. You deserve to die. This is not happening to me. Max! Max, what have you done? I'm so embarrassed. It's what we're here for. Rescue cats. Find dogs. That's a job. And we love it. Scariest moment is a hard one. I've got nothing. You go back to the first film and we said so much scared us that happens in bright daylight. This, for some reason, does, I mean, like a lot of the film does happen in broad daylight, but the way that it's shot, it, it can't be, it's so overexposed and so boiling hot there, it can't be scary for me. It feels very, that's what I mean, it feels very peak 80s mm. to me, even though this is 89. It feels like a Madonna video. Yeah. When they're walking in and getting picked up oh, in yeah. the car, it just feels too glossy. It really does, yeah. And I think... I guess that's the period it's being made. It feels more like a Nightmare on Elm Street film, actually. Mm, I can see that. I think scariest moment uh, for me, keeping his mask on him in prison. Imagine being the police, walking past that, doing your rounds, and you walk past, he's just standing there looking at you. Fuck that. Take it off him. I mean, I'm terrified. We've got two here in the office, but I hate it. And it generally scares me. And every time you put it on, it really scares me. And I don't like it. But I just think to myself, I'm scaring myself thinking that I'm a policeman. And I'm doing my rounds and I walk past. He's just standing in the cell. Fucking he's just, no he's way. He just stood in the middle of the cell. No way. No way. Get it off him. That is bonkers. The thing is, too worried about him. You didn't see the man in black coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think my scariest moment is, in, it, my, my scariest moment was not even in the film. It's me imagining I'm a policeman working in that town, going down and seeing him in the prison. So That's not good when you're talking about the scariest <laughs> moment in a film. What is it? It's actually my own scary moment that <laughs> yeah, I've come up with. I'm just scaring myself, actually, yeah. Do you think that's funny? Hey, hey, no, 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 man. No, hey, just a little Halloween prank, okay? Definitely not. Funny. Somebody please let me dead right now. Fortunately, we're lousy cops. <sighs> Sorry. Okay, Daniel. How many killings in Halloween 5? Feels like a lot. Feels like I saw a lot. Well, we've got 20 kills. Right. 12 with Michael. Mm-hmm. Man in Black is eight. Wow. Man in Black is going almost toe-to-toe with Michael. That's bonkers, isn't it? Yeah. Best kill, though? I don't know. I think it's still the same tension from the last film where... They wanted to have some subtle ones, so we've got a few off screen. Mm-hmm. 
but then the ones that are on screen are quite gory. Yeah. So Mike with the garden claw is pretty brutal. Oh yeah, I've put that. I've put that. Is your favorite kill? Not as my favorite. No, no, no. That's pretty gory for Halloween. Uh, well, I think the scratching as well on it. When you hear that on his car, and then he just puts oh, that straight raging, in. Yeah. I really like that. The spits fork through the belly is really good. There is an almost identical kill in Friday the 13th part six, I think, but where two people are having sex and Jason puts a spear through them. So I kind of like that. Does, but that feels very Friday the 13th, mm. like a big set piece death. Yeah. But he doesn't kill them both with that. He just does the one with the fork and then, well, then the one do, with the scythe. This is where I think you can feel the tension between showing and not showing it and censorship mm. because you get that spectacular kill. And I almost feel like they go, oh, we can't have another one. Yeah. So Samantha's scythe one yeah. kind of, it cuts away. It cuts on the hit. Yeah. And, I also, like also the two comedy deputies in the car. With the comedy music you don't, as well. You don't see how they die, so it's no. almost like they've gone, oh, you can't have four big kills in a row. Yeah. What is that comedy music? All clear. Nothing above, nothing below. What is happening? Why have they done that? Because in Halloween 2018... Like, it's a script that's written by Danny McBride and Dave Gordon Green who've done some incredible comedy films. And there are a couple of police in the car who are the comedy police and they do have a really good back and forth and they make genuinely good jokes when they're taking a piss out of each other's uh, what everyone's having for dinner that's a bad um, sandwich and it's a really funny scene but they do seem like competent humans whereas these ones they like i'm so embarrassed it's what we're here for rescue cat find dogs that's a job and we love it <laughs> What the fuck? What, what are you doing? What is that decision? What is the conversation Weep. around that? Because they're not saying anything funny. No. The music's going, these are morons. Sound effects as well. Oh, God, it's awful. I did actually wonder if that Danny McBride 2018 film was an allusion to these guys. It's got to be, isn't it? Maybe a little reference. Because, but, but that scene is genuinely a funny scene because I think the guy is, he made himself essentially like I The Simpsons. It. Like, what have you got? Like a bit of peanut butter smeared on a playing card, essentially. And he's like, you made that for yourself. It's, like, it's so funny. I remember like when we saw that originally, like properly laughing at that, like belly laughing. I think my favorite kill is the Rachel kill. Not necessarily for it. I don't think it's ne like as a cool looking kill or anything like that. But I do love the rigmarole of the false setup and then then she just feels secure enough to go back and then he's back and he kills her. I think that is the best kill. Also, in the context of the film, that's our heroine from the last Absolutely, film. Absolutely, yeah. Killed in the, what, the first 30 minutes? Yeah, it feels quite screamy. Although it doesn't, when it because it cuts away immediately, you do wonder for a minute, is she actually dead? Yeah. Because you just see the scissors going in and you go, because it's your yeah. main character. You, so... I think he was trying to have his psycho moment there. Yeah, but uh, the only thing is, I'm sort of torn because I do generally like that really labored setup of, oh my gosh, she's going to be killed. No, she's absolutely fine. Don't worry about it. But then she gets killed. So you're almost having it like the same shock, but you're having it twice. Yeah. And I think it actually makes it quite, it's quite muddy then because you're just like, what are you doing? Why is this taking so long? It's because you're doing like a, you know, like a, a sort of scream thing. We're like, we're going to kill off Drew Barrymore in the first 10 minutes. But it doesn't take 10 minutes. It takes half an hour. <laughs> the other contender I had for this is Tina. So once Rachel dies, Tina mm -hmm. takes over as the protector of Jamie, mm -hmm. even though she ditches her to go to the party. Yep. Tina, no! Honey, I will come back later tonight and I will sleep with you right here. Tina! I'll be back. I love you. <laughs> Tina! 
girl's crying her eyes out and she's yeah. like, I'm still going to this party. When she kind of sacrifices herself to save her, mm. it's a good heroic moment. Yeah. Like and it, apparently the original script of the original version was Michael had stabbed her in the chest. Right. And he was about to take the knife out to go after Jamie. Yeah. And Tina grabs his hand and pushes the knife deeper into her heart oh my God. to protect her. Yeah. Film that. That's yeah. a good dramatic moment. Because yeah. she knows she's dead at that point. And all she can do with her dying moments is protect Jamie. Yeah, I like that. That's quite good. I'm going to go Rachel. i got to give it Rachel, I think. This is in the chest classic, isn't it? Yeah. No! <laughs> the Dick Italian should have taken effect by now. Another dose might stop her heart. <laughs> she was shaking. Her whole body was shaking. Every time a little girl twitches, I'm supposed to call out the National Guard. How many people did he kill last year? Have you forgotten? We could talk about Loomis in a little bit. Let's talk about Jamie first. I was absolutely rocking when she basically calls him Uncle Boogeyman. <laughs> Uncle? Boogeyman? It's so quick together. He's like, Uncle Boogeyman. Who's this? Is my Uncle Boogeyman? Was that the Uncle Boogeyman? I believe it was. So funny, man. We said it last time. I think Jamie is genuinely a good little actress. And I think she's got a lot to do. They're putting a lot on her. God, she's got to carry the film. And all the stuff around her psychic abilities, she's got to do a lot of big acting. Yeah. But I think she does pull it off. Yeah, I thought she was generally good. Like, Loomis is uh, is having a laugh in this. Well, he's spiraling even further into madness. Why is his, his voice has gone like fucking Gandalf? Um, in some bits. He's talking with this strange, deep, but like, wispy, like that all the time now. At the end of four, we questioned his credentials as a trying psychiatric doctor because mm. he says, oh, they survived it, they'll be fine. Yeah. In this one, he's just screaming in a little girl's face. Yeah. Also uses her as bait <laughs> in the final act. <laughs> There's a bit, the line that really um, made me laugh where, um, so... Somebody says that he's screaming in Jamie's face. Someone says, Dr. Loomis, leave the little girl alone. You never nah. want to hear that. Never a yeah. good line to hear. He, he has some bonkers stuff where he uh, smashes the radio against the wall. Smashes Troy Evans is the name of the actor. Like He he just turns up in everything Troy Evans does so throughout the 80s, 90s, and now. He always plays like a guy in the town that is happening. So, like in my head, that actor Troy Evans is always in a diner. He's always in a diner or a bar, sitting at the counter, eating a burger or drinking a whiskey and a pint. That's really bonkers for me. But it must have been quite cathartic for Loomis to beat the fuck out of Michael with that. With a two <laughs> what, by four, I reckon. <laughs> so, so, do you think the madness now almost kind of works because he's just basically Van Helsing. Now. Yeah, he's Van Helsing them in this one. Yeah. Because they take him back to his house. Because mm -hmm. when he speaks to him in the forest... Yes. Michael. It will destroy you too. One day, Michael, this rage which drives you, you think if you kill them all, it will go away. It won't. You have to fight it in the place where it's strongest. Where it all began. 
If you want to get rid of this rage, Michael, go home. Go home! Go to your house. I shall be there waiting for you. You'll find her waiting for you. He says, go back home, Michael. Yeah. And he, he's already rigged it. I don't I know guess so, he yeah. So, because he loses him downstairs and there's that metal net. Yeah. And then he trank guns him. Loads. Loads. And beats fuck out of him with a bit of wood. <laughs> so. Just like hugging wrestling on the floor. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, are we saying that he's already rigged it up? And that was his plan? Or just, he's like, or he's always had a backup plan. Of, always has a plan. If he is. comes back, I'm going to just rig up the house and then I'll get him back and then I'll beat him up. <laughs> also, prime opportunity to use his gun. Yeah. He's like, nah. He's bit so of, close to him. He's so close Trank to him gun and point. bit of wood. Yeah. Um, so Trank's work on Michael. That's, that is generally one thing that I will say. As much as I, I don't think there's a lot going for this film, I, 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 I like Loomis in this. Because I, I feel like it's gone. For, it's almost gone so mad. It works well because I know his purpose at least. Yeah. Whereas b before, I'm just like, "What is your plan here, mate?" That's a really great point. And I know his plan. Said, here, yeah, Home Alone. So <laughs> also, I've actually just because we said you just said that. Then this has sparked the connection of this is what Nancy does in Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah, I wonder if they've had a little look at that where they bring you bring she brings Fred into the real world and she's mm. already rigged up the house yeah 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 it's the same it's a similar beat for a final uh, act absolutely yeah let's talk about Michael's motivations loads of new stuff in here well so I guess we've got a I think we should talk about the mark on his hand as if we've just seen the one film and we don't know what's absolutely, coming right absolutely. so we don't know what's coming we've got a mark on his hand we've got a mark on this man in black's hand so he's connected to this man in some way that we have no idea why, but it's played like we sh this should be important and we should think it's important. Yeah, so we see that tattoo right at the beginning when he's yeah. in the hermit's cabin. Mm. We don't even know when he got that. Nope. Because we've never seen it in the previous film. So oh, I've seen his arm, but I have seen that part of his arm loads. So, so presumably so. that's happened while he's been in hospital and we just didn't see it in four. Because presumably he's had that during four. I feel like we see that arm in four and it's all burned up and fucked so, up, so... It's a frustrating tidbit. Mm. And because the man in black is doing similar things to Michael, doing similar naughty things, you go, right, are you two got the same motivations because of this mark that's connecting you? Yeah, are you like just another version of Michael from elsewhere? Exactly, and yeah. And Michael drives, you got the bus. Franchise. <laughs> it's like the setting up of franchises and now they're coming in together. Is it like in Buffy where Kendra comes to uh, the town and you, you, then you get to know, oh, there's actually loads of different uh, things. Because we've had Faith, who gets sent in, and then Kendra as well. So you just, there's slayers all over the world. It's like the same with Michael. There's Michaels all over the world somehow that are franchised out like a subway. Where are we doing this Halloween? Haddonfield. Yeah. We'll converge. Yeah. And what I think this film does, it simultaneously tries to make Michael really human but also makes him more supernatural than ever. Yeah. Which to me are like opposing directions. Absolutely, So yeah. the human stuff, when Loomis, Loomis has previously talked to about him being pure evil. Yeah. And then at the end, so luring back to the house, he says, it will destroy you too, Michael, this rage which drives you. Mm. So it's very hard to know whether, is he speaking from a scientific psychiatric point here? Yeah. Or is this the new name he's given to what he used to call evil? Yeah, rage. And there's this concept that, Jamie can 
pacify this rage. There's mm. something about Jamie that can get this rage out of him. He's going to eat it. He's going to eat it. I don't know. But then what That's is Michael thing. doing with the coffin? What was he going to do with her? Does Michael feel like he can get what's in him out into her? Yeah. Is that going to be a ritual where Michael actually wants rid of this? Because when she calls him uncle, mm. there's a moment, there's a connection there. Mm. And he stops it. It's almost like the rage dissipates. Yeah. And he has a human emotion. Absolutely. And yeah. then it takes him back over. Yeah. So that goes back to the idea we've talked about previously where Maya's the little boy yeah. is just the vessel of this For force. That, yeah. And in that one moment in the attic, it dies away and we see Michael again, the little boy. I think he definitely wants to understand what's going on because why else is he listening to Loomis so much in that house where, where Loomis is explained to him like, oh, you can do this, you can do that. He doesn't attack him, does he? He doesn't attack him and he kind of puts his knife down and you're like, mm, okay. But then this is the weird thing. Does Loomis believe that? Because I don't think he does because he goes on to him and then he gets him just underneath the net and gets him and tranks him. He doesn't give a fuck if he's getting rid of the rage. No, or does he? So was it, the, this is the other question. Does Loomis believe anything he's saying? Is it all just masquerade yeah. to get him there into the trap? Mm. That's a good, good question. Also, massive Frankenstein vibes yeah, through this film because that. he is with the hermit in the shack on the edge of the town. Yeah. He's, there's a lightning bolt. He wakes back up to mm. life. And there's a lot about him almost being misunderstood in this film. Yeah. Not like Frankenstein. He's killing loads of people, don't yeah. get me wrong. But that moment with Jamie is a little bit like the moment with the little girl in Frankenstein. It really is, The Karloff yeah. moment where yeah. she kind of sees him not as the boogeyman, but uncle. Yeah. Or uncle boogeyman. And there's something, there is something quite nice about that idea. I just don't think you can do it because he's just killing loads of people still. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that's the thing. Is like, I like having that idea there, but also then you have all these silly kills as well. So you're like, this is a very, very odd film. Confused. Um, and that, I mean, that's the thing is like, oh, oh is he call instead of calling him pure evil now, is he calling him rage filled or? <laughs> Get the rage on. Cause like, you know, I, everyone gets angry, but that's a very different thing. Um, but I mean, is pure evil crying? I don't think it is. Cause like seeing him with tears is bonkers, I think. Yeah, well. Why have you done that? I think this with this one is there's so many cooks and there's so many ideas yeah. and you've not had one person to bring it all together with a single mm. vision. So you've got all these almost little ghosts of different ideas overlaid. Yeah. Well, this is the thing that I think undoes a pure evil thing. And this is like, because part of him, whatever part it might be small, definitely isn't evil. So if part of him isn't evil, he can't be pure evil. But what if he's inhabited by pure evil? But he, but he's still not. He can't be pure evil because a part of him is cry is crying and not pure evil. Which to me, by definition, means he's not pure evil. Even if he's got pure evil inside of him, oh. he's not. He's not letting it consume him. I think. It, I think he's pure evil. Do you think he's pure evil? Yeah. No way. On the next episode, we finally learn why Michael has a tattoo in Halloween Six: The Curse of Michael Myers. The Definitive Companion is made by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about things we love, including manifestations of pure evil. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.